Hey, this is Max from the Arkells, and you're listening to Underground Sports Philadelphia. What's going on, everybody? Welcome in to Underground Sports Philadelphia, episode number 276. KB, Matt Castorina coming at you live from Underground Studios. Unfortunately for our Facebook audience, Facebook is acting up, so we are only on Twitch tonight. Twitch.tv slash Underground Sports PHI to catch all the live shows. As always, show brought to you by our incredible local sponsors, Main Auto LLC, Ducharms Pro Foot, Security 21 Security Systems, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, Bob Novick Auto Mall, Mark Ronchetti, CPA LLC, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland. And of course, our amazing friends over at Tomahawk Shades, TomahawkShades.com. Load up your cart, get everything that you need in there, sunglasses, blue light glasses. They've got watches restocked. You name it, it's on there. They specialize in the best and most affordable, pristine eyewear. Sunglasses, blue light, plus glasses. You guys see me wearing them every single show. When you go to check out at TomahawkShades.com, enter our code USP. It's going to save you 25% off your entire order. And all orders right now, over $75, qualify for free shipping. That's TomahawkShades.com, promo code USP. And guys, of course, our friends over at Manscaped, doing the damn thing. That's right. Support for Underground Sports Philadelphia. As you guys well know, if you've been following along with the show for the past month or so, is brought to you by Manscaped, who are the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. And although it's not Philadelphia, it's kind of a big deal. They are the official men's below-the-waist grooming partner of the San Francisco 49ers, the only win on the Eagles record this season. But Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. And that's why Manscaped has registered the ele- has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and just released the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. Their third-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade that reduces grooming accidents thanks to skin-safe technology pioneered by Manscaped. When I tell you guys this is premium, I mean premium. The battery is going to last you up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave. The waterproof technology allows you to groom in the shower, and one of the coolest features is the LED light which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. They've also upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. And let's not forget about the charging stand. Show your mower off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by USB. If you guys are listening to me speak right now, I want you to experience it firsthand for yourself. Trim that junk of yours and get 20% off plus free shipping 
with the code USP at manscaped.com, your balls will thank you. Yes, get 20% off and free shipping with the code USP at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code USP. What's going on, Matt? Living the dream, as always. Got the new mic, thanks to our sponsors. Yes. And nice. uh, we finally aesthetically match, yes. quality match, and uh, we got a lot to talk about, most notably with the Phillies pitching coach that we were pretty excited about, Brian Price, out of the blue, announces that he is retiring from full-time coaching, uh, put a lot of it on you know COVID-19 being a big reason being away from his family for as long as he had to be spent his uh his wedding anniversary this year away from his wife and he just said he didn't have the desire anymore to you know put in the full-time effort that it takes to be a coach he's been doing it since i believe 1991 so the phillies for the fifth time in five years will be looking for a new pitching coach yeah um i mean totally valid reasoning though i think lots of people are probably yes. having uh, those same thoughts this year about um is this really worth it anymore <laughs> So yeah, I don't I don't blame him in the slightest, but unfortunate for us because now it's another position to fill. And this is, I mean, Joe Girardi's guy, like so. That's that's the tough part too. Is this is like kind of someone he hand selected? So gonna have to dig deep. Maybe uh, once we figure out who's gonna actually be building this team, they could play a role in deciding who the the next pitching coach is gonna be. But it's yet another question for this Phillies team to answer uh, this off season. And I mean, when it comes to Brian Price, it, it it was a surprise. It surprised even, you know, the national writers, local beat reporters, because he did sign a three-year contract when he came on board with Joe Girardi. You know, you didn't see much change with the pitchers this year. You saw a lot more from uh, Zach Wheeler and Zach Eflin. Spencer Howard, we didn't really get an opportunity to see too much. And I thought it was pretty, you know, cool of Brian Price to say, you know, the bullpen struggled. That's on me. He took the blame for the bullpen struggles, which I wouldn't say is all his fault, but he said if they did have a full season, they wouldn't have been perfect, but they would have gotten into strides where they wouldn't have looked as poor. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, too, is you're judging a lot of the, the a lot of that success or failure on really a third of a season. It's not even like a, a half. I mean, you're only talking about 60 games. So, um, yeah, and I mean, also there was – like we've talked about, there's so many double headers thrown in there because of the COVID situation early on with the Marlins. So it was always going to be a difficult task this year, no matter who was in charge. So it's hard to really uh, say how effective he was or wasn't. It's the same reason, you know, you're, you're kind of still left wondering how effective Joe Girardi is, is because you only get to see 60 games. That's just such an incredibly low amount of, uh, of data to work with here. So yeah, it's tough to say. So now five five pitching coach. This is almost becoming the equivalent to the Eagles wide receiver coach. It's like the uh, carousel. It's like the defense against the dark arts teacher yes. just every year. <laughs> uh, and I mean, that's got to be for these Phillies pitchers one of the things that gets frustrating. You know, you look at a guy like Aaron Nola now who's gone through all of these pitching coaches. Zach Wheeler just got here, going to have another pitching coach to learn from outside of who he had with the Mets. Zach Eflin, you know, this goes back to all of the issues of consistency I think this Phillies team has had with their pitching staff, whether it's, you know, the young guys being, you know, yo-yoed between 
bullpen and and starting and now having you know a fifth set of you know voice a fifth voice coming into their ears about how they should be approaching their game yeah it's it's difficult and you want more stability out of uh, your coaching staff and out of your organization so hopefully the next hire is someone that you know is, is going to be here for for a longer term um I think this one's just an unlucky situation that it wasn't someone that was ineffective it's just uh, can't really blame a guy for wanting to spend more time with his family absolutely and I mean we we wish the best of Brian Price and the the other news with the Phillies that I think is the more pressing issue in terms of you know long-term success is I don't know what John Middleton is doing but Andy McPhail needs to get the hell away from this team because the old school mentality that this Phillies team is using to approach the general manager position right now is terrifying yeah I mean it's it's very similar to the Sixer situation where it's like you're just waiting and waiting for someone to be hired or some actual news um you know we've we've wanted some answers now for a while about what's actually going to be happening with uh, this front office shuffle um still no replacement from that Clintac. still not even quite sure what his role is going to be in uh in the new you know front office that we're building i guess and we had the rumors last time about um andy mcphail potentially being moved out of his position as well like there's really no sense of clarity and I guess there's technically no rush necessarily, but I feel like there also should be because you're you're gonna be you're gonna be start thinking a lot about free agency. You're gonna start thinking about draft, and you'd rather hire someone now and get those things sorted and build a philosophy and understanding for how you're gonna approach those things rather than you know make some decisions and then have someone else live with them. You know, and and I think also if you're trying to really get good talented people involved. They're going to look at that situation and decide that that's, you know, they want, what are the most talented people that, you know, that, that you're searching for want? They want control. They want to be the ones making decisions. They want to have the power to draft or uh, sign whoever they want. So if you're not going to give them that, why would they come there when they could stay where they are or someone else will give them that kind of blank check? So I, I don't know what it is with this Phillies team that they just love dragging their heels over this stuff. Yeah, the, the big rumor that popped up, uh, on the 18th, so just a couple days ago, uh, via Anthony Franco, and this is on MLBTradeRumors.com. Uh, it said, previous reports suggested the Phillies might not be in a hurry to replace former GM Matt Klintak. Again, what are we doing? Uh, potentially relying on interim GM Ned Rice to run their day-to-day baseball operations until the end of 2021, which I will get into my thoughts on why that might be. Uh, that still might be the case, but Philadelphia is at least doing their due diligence already. Royals assistant general manager J.J. Piccolo is under consideration for the job per John Morosi of MLB Network. He was also in the mix for the Phillies GM vacancy back in 2015 when the position went to Klentak. Piccolo joined the Kansas City organization in 2006 and has been uh, the assistant general manager under Dayton Moore since 2008. Piccolo's from here. He's from Cherry Hill, I believe. Um... But if they're banking on, you know, just having Ned Rice here for a year, it, it just screams that John Middleton's going to do the most John Middleton thing and push every chip into the middle of the table hoping he can land Theo. Yeah, it's like uh, 
his approach is definitely old school as well in that he's like a uh, just a power slugger that's only going for home runs and nothing else. Um, it's taking a real Bobby Abreu approach to this, and uh, I I think it needs a little more finesse. I I don't like the idea of having essentially like a fill in um, because that's not the stability that this organization needs, and that would make sense if like this was a team that was bottoming out. It's like, all right, well, like, we really want our guy to rebuild us. Like, that's something you say if you just came off, like, a 50-win season in a mm-hmm. full – you know, like, that's just not acceptable for where we're supposed to be right now. And, I mean, you have Bryce Harper who just gave you a great third of a season, like, at an MVP-type level. Um, you have guys that you should be re-signing and, and trying your best to do uh, on affordable deals at least. And you have a pretty talented roster still. Like, this isn't – this isn't really the time period to just be kind of sitting on your hands and hoping that your guy's next. I have no, I have no problem necessarily with like waiting for what you believe to be the best talent available, but I don't think the Phillies are really in the position that they get to do that. Um, and especially when like, I think that's a bit of a crapshoot to begin with, like you said, where there's there's no guarantee of that. And again, I mean, if if you're leaving this to someone else's decision making, again. What if you, and not even what if, when we mess this up, like that's that's certainly not going to be a, a convincing argument for for someone like him. He's going to have he can go to any team he wants. Exactly. When he's like, it's going to be completely his choice. Um, unless you want to screw us up so bad because he does seem to have like a, a want and a knack for like rebuilding, mm-hmm. uh, kind of like historically great or, or drought teams. He'll probably uh, end up going to the Mariners. <laughs> no, they don't. They don't like spending money either, though. Honestly, so. Get them out of a playoff drought. Uh, It's just, it's frustrating because you want, who's going to get excited about Ned Rice being in charge for a year? Like that's just. I guarantee if you asked a hundred Phillies fans who Ned Rice was, 85 of them would have no clue. It's just such a lack of ambition, which is depressing um, and confusing because again, you've gone out, you've paid Bryce Harper big money. um, You paid Zach Wheeler big money. You committed to a future with Aaron Nola. Like, traded your top prospect for JT Real Muto and you're not even going to retain him. Like, it's just, I, I don't, it's so conflicting, the ideas here. It's like, those are win-now moves, but you're, like, you're you're waiting on a, a guy that's going to help, like, essentially do a rebuild, you know? And it's like, I don't get it. It's not like we have, like, a, a very talented pipeline right now to begin with. We have a few guys, right, but... It's not like we're teeming with talent here, and it's not like we're, again, we're not going to be a bad team. Like, we're going to be a, a very mediocre team unless things change in the next few years. Like, that's a terrible position to find yourself in. Like, this is the type of team that GMs come in and blow up and mm-hmm. rebuild, but we can't do that. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's very, very confusing. And we talk about it constantly. They are in the process of wasting the primes of Bryce Harper, Aaron Nola, Zach Wheeler, Zach Eflin, Reese Hoskins. You know, these guys are your core that you put in place, whether it was through signing them in free agency or, you know, developing a guy like Reese. And you've got these older veteran pieces around them, like Andrew McCutcheon, you know, that they're not going to be able to play at this peak level all that much longer. And if you continue to waste these years you just flat out lied straight into the face of Bryce Harper when you signed him here. And 
you're now entering year three of the Bryce Harper era and have zero playoff appearances to show for it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not good. And, I, you know, if I'm Bryce as well, I, I don't think I'm pleased to see the lack of ambition from John Milton in terms of, like, making smart decisions and making just decisions with a reasonable time frame. Like, this is, again, you like, you're going on, what, like, three weeks now that – you know, like you've you've been separated mm-hmm. from Clentac and you've been on the search and I get that these things can't be wrapped up overnight, but like I just I, I'm very concerned that we're hearing so little, um and that, that just that worries me a ton. And I, I'm very worried about the Phillies future that it's gonna be just incredibly mediocre, which is just it's just gonna be depressing because we, we have the foundation there to, to build from. It it's gonna just take it's going to take spending, and it's going to take a smart vision. And I'm not really a believer that we're going to get either of those things the way it's looking. And, I mean, you look at the two teams in the World Series right now, two of the most analytically driven, two of the most progressive. Well, analytics ruined the Sixers, Kyle, so there's no room <laughs> Very for those true. in Philadelphia. Uh, two of the most progressive teams in all of baseball, and we're talking about going and getting guys from the Royals that were just, you know, uh a dart throw in 2015 that won a world series. And the Royals were like an anti-analytics team too. They were like a, like just ground out singles type of team. Yeah. Like they're not, they the, played small ball. Yeah. They're not like the Tampa Bay Rays are unbelievable in that every pitcher throws like 98 and every guy hits like 290. <laughs> like, <laughs> like everyone's bare minimum. Like, yeah. Like they're just, they're just good. They're all big, strong, fast, and just smash the ball. And then when it's time to pitch, they throw it 100 miles an hour. <laughs> like, we don't even – that's the real concern here, too, is, like, we don't even have a guy. I, I can't think of, like, anyone that throws heat on this team. Like, we have good – some good pitching, mm-hmm. but, like, we don't – these guys – like, every other contending team has, like, multiple guys that – Throws 100. And we don't have – I think the closest we have is JoJo Romero, who hits 97. Yeah. Like, that's it's it, all around. It's just very worrying. And yeah, I mean, you look at those teams like the Dodgers, right? They've continually spent the money. They've spent the assets to constantly put themselves back, you know, in contention. Um, and the Rays, I think, are just incredibly well run, especially when you consider that their payroll is what it is. Like, they're just a they're a well run organization. And like, the Phillies can be both of those things. Like, I, nothing's stopping you from doing that. And that's not to say that, oh, baseball is so easy to figure out, sports is so easy to figure out. No, but, like, when you have the money mm-hmm. and if you have the ambition, you can find the smart guys. They're not, like, they're not hiding, I, I don't think, at least. I, I think you can you can suss it out. You can hire smart people to hire the smart people. Like, it's not I, – I think it, it, it's – there's too much, I think, especially – from what I feel with John Milton, there's too much like a loyalty thing and like an yes. old boys club where it's like, well, you meet in a back room and you make decisions based on like who's friends with who and who's connected with who and not who's just going to like get me the best. And we've talked about this too, with guys in the organization still getting jobs somehow. You're like Matt Clintech is still, still be here. Andy McPhail, even if he, if he, he gets moved out of his position, he's going to be somewhere else. Like it's stupid. That's that, that shouldn't be the way an organization is run. Um, this isn't like 1937. Like that, you don't owe anyone anything like that. This isn't like the old boys club anymore. You go smoke cigars in the back. Like, oh, they do with the Phillies though. Yeah, well, exactly. But it's like, at the end of the day, like there, there just needs to be more ambition from this team, and that's that's what you're not seeing right now, and that's what's depressing. We're getting like drip-fed ambition with like yeah. these 
every offseason we're getting like one big contract and it's like cool but like how about like meaningful like real like impactful change like this is just a lot of this is just band-aids over like a broken damn wall it's like well we need some infrastructure now like we we can't just sign one good free agent every year and hope that it works like that's not name a team that 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 has worked for the yankees tried that for a very long time it didn't work they their best periods of success came with a core of homegrown players like yeah. they, and then they bought alex rodriguez like yeah you know like obviously you you're going to spend money and, and acquire it that way but you, you can't just add a player each year and think all right what in six years we'll be in the playoffs at this rate? Like I, I don't. Because then free yeah. agent one will be out of their prime, and you're gonna have to start that disgusting cycle all over again. It's just, it's just bad news right now. Yeah, I, I don't feel good at all about this team and the direction they're moving in because it doesn't seem like they're moving in any direction. Um, it feels like they're gonna, you know, close off the the checkbook a bit this off season too. Um, so I'm fully anticipating. Uh, a pretty piss poor free agent period whenever uh, a new GM is hired, whoever it may be. Uh, but then you go and look at what the, the Rays are doing and our guy, Eric Neander is just chilling. He's getting the national TV uh, spotlight night in and night out since the ALCS now into the world series. And the Phillies are just completely, it seems like at least ignoring the fact that he is right there for the taking and could turn this team into a perennial contender. And they're just, you know, kicking the the can down the lane looking for old school baseball guys, which is just the stupidest method I've seen. And I have no faith in John Middleton right now. I don't know anyone who would. <laughs> uh, also, his, uh, his fortune is in a dying industry, so <laughs> good true. for him. Uh Let's kick it over to uh, the football team in this town, Philadelphia Eagles. Unfortunately, Miles Sanders, the biggest news, is going to be out one to two weeks, more than likely through the bye week, uh, with a knee injury after he runs all the way down to like the 10-yard line, gets hit, fumbles, injures his knee on that play, and J.J. Ortega-Whiteside gets the most J.J. Ortega-Whiteside touchdown of his career. Shout out to every single human who bet J.J. Ortega-Whiteside to score the first touchdown of the game. I saw a number of those bet slips flying around Twitter, people winning stupid amounts of money on that. Uh, good for you people for having the wherewithal to just the put that money on the line. To bet on not just him to score, but against the Ravens. like that is And to uh, score first. Yeah, that is that is quite the choice. But this team... Uh, Thursday night football short week against the New York football giants, two bad teams. The NFC least uh-huh. is in full effect. Both teams still right in the hunt, Kyle. I don't know what you mean. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. This this game just has ugly written all over it. Well, if you want a, a really beautiful picture of the NFC East this year, the Washington football team is one win out of the NFC East division like lead. And also, thanks to a win over the Eagles. And they're one Jets win away from having the number one pick in the draft. Yep. <laughs> that is how terrible this division is. Um, it's not even hyperbole. Like, every team in this division sucks this year. Um, it's not all of that down to their fault. Like, obviously, the Cowboys lose Dak Prescott, but the coaching situation there is a mess. Um, the Eagles, I like. I don't know what curse has been put on this team, but just cannot stay healthy because not only do you lose Miles Sanders, you lose Zach Ertz, who's a big zero anyway. Um 
and wasn't really giving you much production to begin with. But also Alshon Jeffrey is like working his way back, is now injured again. Not surprising. What a but... waste of a roster <laughs> spot. Yeah, I mean it's that's rough. But it's um it's it's hard to t- it's sort of similar to like the Philly season this year where it's like it's so hard for me to judge like Carson Wentz. It's so hard to judge Doug Peterson when you're working under these circumstances. Like these are such adverse like conditions. I don't know how anyone can properly judge someone. Like I get it can be Carson has like issues of his own like he definitely at times will has like strange decision making just try the hero ball method a little too much but also like when Travis Fulgham is like his number one target like he's gonna have to play hero ball like in his mind and I wouldn't be shocked if that's something that's been like instructed to him like hey like you're gonna have to make like big dick plays sometimes yep and and not even sometimes you have to make plays like every quarter to keep us in a game and yeah I mean it's 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 such a, a a mess right now it's so hard to deal with, and it's so hard to judge and evaluate just because of the amount of injuries. Um, you talk skill positions, you talk to the line, like both your, your your two top tight ends are out, right? Dallas Goddard's been out the last like three weeks. Zachert's now done for a month, maybe a month and a half. Miles Sanders misses the first week, gets like reintegrated with a hamstring injury, now out for another you know one or one or two weeks, like. You haven't had Deshaun Jackson really at all this year. You haven't had Alshon Jeffrey in like a year and a half. Like it's just everywhere. You, like that's that is a lot of guys to have injured. I don't care who you are. You're not succeeding with that. Like I I, th- I really don't think you could throw a lot of quarterbacks into this situation that the Eagles are in and like see tons of success. I I just think it's it's hard to grade. Um, it was a bad game. <laughs> it was. <laughs> The scoreline definitely flattered the Eagles because it was not that close. It was just uh, oddly enough, of, there was a chance for them to win. There was multiple times, but it was it was a lot of garbage time, and I think mentally the Ravens had kind of uh, taken their foot off the gas a little bit. Um, but I mean, that was that first half especially oh, was like seventeen nothing, complete domination. Like you would, I I think a lot of people would not even expect the Eagles to score <laughs> because it was just. It was going absolutely nowhere. Everything was going wrong, too. Um, like, Jake Elliott misses that field goal. He makes that field goal, they win. <laughs> yeah, or even, like, that, what was it, like, that fourth and one that they can they try to convert right, like, the yep. possession before that as well. Like, there were, there were chances, but all, all, all things told, I you think. go for the extra point on the first touchdown, then you're kicking for the tie at yeah. the end of the game instead of I am a, I am a little sick of the, uh, the going for two. Like, I feel like this year a lot had spiked, and... I, I think get, there's moments that it it it's just good to point. go for, but in just that situation the, with the, Eagles, the Ravens, you're down seventeen nothing. Take the point and go down ten. Like that's the thing is like I get that what the math says, right? Mm-hmm. Like oh well, it's better to do it now, like early, take the two points, or you know now when you score again, you like to do. Well, it's like are you taking into account that you're playing the best defense in football and that you're throwing to Travis Fulgham as your number one target? Not like, even the best defense, the best scoring defense. Yeah, like this, but that like. That's the thing that yeah. I think we kind of lose and like there's there's not a lot of nuance and like everyone's so quick, especially on like Twitter, to be like, mm-hmm. oh, I understand the math and like, no, you're an idiot. You're always supposed to go for two years. Like, well, like, should you? Because I feel like a lot of times that yeah. people go for two and they fail and it's like, well, they should have just kicked the field. Like, I just feel like if you're not going to put it in context of the situation where it's like, okay, well, like you're going up against Lamar Jackson and the Ravens, like I would be taking every point available to me. Like, unless yep. it's like to win the game, like I... I just think, I think you have to be looking at game flow a lot more when you're making decisions like this. Um, I get going forward on fourth there, but like, that's like a that was that would have been what like a forty yard field goal just to get you like give or take 
that would have just got you something. And, like, it doesn't even account for, too, like, what a momentum shift that is to, like, not convert a fourth down and give, like, the defense that's just held you scoreless that entire half even more, like, momentum and energy. Like, that's – it's so brutal. It's yeah. so, But that's just been the picture. I will say that so the loss to the Ravens was more on the coaching staff and the defense than I think it was on the offense and Carson Wentz. Yeah, I, I think I mean, there's something you said there. I mean, it's not like this Ravens offense has been like steamrolling teams. Mm-hmm. Like they've been quietly pretty bad this year, and no one's. I don't know that that discussion's happened yet. That Lamar Jackson is like only throwing for like 170 yeah. yards, and like he's kind of being bailed out by the fact that he he can be mobile, right? But like that offense last year was like very efficient, especially running the ball. Yeah, and I mean you're gonna lose some of that. Like there's. They had, like, an abnormally great year, but mm-hmm. they've been bad. And I think the fact that you can't really stop a team that has a pretty low ceiling for me right now in terms of, like, offensive capability, that's not a great sign. But I don't know who you point the, the finger at the most here. I think there's – I think it's I, it's just another year where there's so many extenuating circumstances that it's hard to get too upset. Um and what's crazy is that they still have a chance at yeah. division, especially now as you get into some of these divisional games. They haven't, outside of Washington week one, they haven't had a, a no. divisional game. And I mean, you're and getting, this is a big divisional week because you play the Giants and then on Sunday, Washington plays the Cowboys. Yes, yeah, so, I mean, there's a lot that can happen. And all of a sudden now, I mean, the division, it was already wide open, but now especially so um, with Andy Dalton leading the helm, like Washington can't settle on a quarterback <sighs> and... The Giants have the worst offense in football too. Like they're yeah. they're terrible to watch. I mean, <laughs> this division is like just a hellscape. It always is. Like it's always been a joke for years that the NFC East is always like some eight and eight team or like whatever. Like the Giants, what made it to their Super Bowl was seven and nine, right? Uh, nine and seven, and I think ten and six were yeah. there. Like, but they're always like yeah. It's just every year with the NFC East. Whoever wins this division is going to put the 7-9 Seahawks to shame. And not not only that, but, like, every year it's a a different winner. Like, no one can Mm -hmm. win it two years in a row. It's just constantly just uh, hot potato. Hasn't happened since 03-04 with the Eagles. Like, it's just just a mess. And it would be hilarious if the Eagles add, like, (laughs) 4-11-1 somehow, like, go get to host (laughs) a first-round game. A team from the West who more than likely get absolutely pumped by like the Ravens. uh, I'm sorry, the Rams. Like the, uh, the injury report today on Wednesday, not looking as bad as it has in the past couple of weeks. It's like a yearbook club list this time, but (laughs) Uh, already ruled out for Thursday night though. Jack Driscoll, Zach Ertz, Malik Jackson, which I think was one of the surprise injuries. That is a bummer uh, that Malik Jackson's going to be out with the quad injury. Alshon Jeffrey, Miles Sanders, and Kayvon Wallace, who uh, suffered that shoulder injury in the Ravens game. Avante Maddox and Duke Riley were both limited, so we'll see if they give it a go uh, on Thursday night. And then Marcus Epps, Deshaun Jackson, and Lane Johnson all had full practice. I think it's a good sign that Lane Johnson got a full practice in. I don't know how I feel about him playing in this game, though. Obviously, he missed the Ravens game, but... With with the the high ankle sprain or the ankle injury, whatever it may be for Lane Johnson, being that lingering type of injury that's going to carry throughout the entire season, I would much rather give him as much rest as possible. And I would have kept Lane out through the bye week if I was this Eagles team. The offensive line hasn't been awful on the outside, um, 
But I mean, I guess with Jack Driscoll missing this game as well, I think Lane felt, you know, obliged to kind of ramp it up and, and play in this game. But with an injury that's going to linger all season, we've seen Lane come in and out of games this year because of the injury. I would have kept him out of this game and maybe gotten him ready for the Cowboys game. Yeah, I think um, this this could be kind of a, uh, a a real, like, crossroads decision where, like, do you really need him for the Giants right. on, on a short week? Like, I, I, I think you do take the rest, especially you do have, a, like, a bye week looming, like, I think you kind of move on. Like you have so many more divisional games as well. You've only played one. Like there's plenty of time here to to get guys like that back in. But and it's not like the Giants have like a pass rush that like frightens you. Like it's this is not overall a team that's it's pretty toothless on on both sides of the ball. So um, yeah, but I mean it's <laughs> it's a better injury list than what we're accustomed to. But I think that's because so many guys are out for like long term. Yes, you know, that it's. Um, <laughs> Um, I guess it's they're not necessarily they don't need to update us because we know that they're out for like a month. But yeah, it's um, every week you're losing you know big positional players, and that's not to say that other teams don't have to deal with like injuries mm-hmm. too. But it feels like the Eagles, especially the last few years, have been hit especially hard, especially when it comes to skill positions. Um, that has to be obviously a focus of the draft this year. Um, but depending on the way the season goes, who knows who will be in charge exactly and what the focus will be. Uh, we don't even know if we're going to be sellers or buyers at the deadline, depending on who you talk to. So there's like really large, and we've talked about this now for really two years. There's like looming questions for the Eagles because they do have such like an aging core. They obviously do have some young pieces, but this isn't a young spry team. Like this is a team that has some old guys that uh, mm-hmm. aren't really producing anymore or that haven't played a game in like two years, um, haven't provided anything meaningful like their entire time here. Like there's been, there's lots of uh, dead wood on this team that needs to be cleared out, I think. And um, it's going to be interesting to see if that happens at the deadline or, or in the future, but we'll Yeah, see. I mean, the, the amount of people talking about this Eagles team being buyers at the deadline, like it drives me nuts. Like what gives this team you know the right to say hey we've earned to add to this team you know sure they're still in the division race but like you're one four and one what are you doing adding to a team that's one four it's it's essentially like putting a band-aid on an open flesh wound like i i just don't see the benefit of being a buyer at the deadline unless it's a a low end move you know maybe for like we talked about maybe trading for Jordan Howard who's been a healthy uh, scratch for the Dolphins the past couple of weeks you know bringing him back because you do need that complimentary back to Miles Sanders because Boston Scott just isn't cutting it for me personally Um, I think they put too much stock in his final four games of the regular season last year being the number two back and he's barely getting like two yards of carry can't get between the tackles and I think they could definitely benefit from having a guy like Jordan Howard back on this team but I mean unless it's a move like that where it's something that could be for the next couple of years too I I just don't see the benefit of going and and trading for a guy that's you know gonna quote-unquote turn things around you don't want Curtis Samuel on this team (laughs) because that's the thing too is it's not gonna be like it's not like the Eagles have like had these like big like outside of Jay Ajayi, like this team hasn't added anyone in midseason that's been like a big difference maker. Like, can we like 
Do we remember Golden Tate? Because <laughs> we'll see him tomorrow. I mean, it was terrible. Like, it, like this team doesn't have a great track record with uh, with really any free agency, actually. Um, so, I or uh, any kind of trade move. I would not be uh, I would not be buyers to this. I'd be selling lots of people to be honest, because I think it's better just rip the bandaid off now, and you don't even have to do a complete rebuild with this team. Um, you can be bad for like two years and be right back. I mean, look how quickly some teams have rebuilt themselves. And I think if you trust the people that are in charge now, um, at least on the coaching side, you can have your own questions about Howie Roseman this offseason. But I think you can get a, a pretty quick turnaround with the pieces that you have now, you know, in, in two years to be competitive again. But like this, I mean, this season should be the indication that even outside of the injuries, this team is just not very good and isn't going to be getting much better like this is this is where this team is right now this isn't like an undeserved record either like it's not like oh you know a few things went our way it's like no they've been pretty bad and obviously injuries don't help but this is just who the Eagles are now and when it comes to uh you know trades and and salary cap and everything I totally missed this this morning but Field Yates reporting that the Eagles recently converted 7.165 7.165 million of Fletcher Cox's salary into a bonus, which creates about 5.732 million dollars in 2020 cap space. Extra room for Philly now, but also more money to roll over into 2021 when the league could be in a tighter cap year. And this is—I mean, this is what Howie does best—is um, these kind of these cap space uh, wizardry that he's known for. Um, as far as like evaluating talent, necessarily though, not. Maybe not his best uh, his best suit, but and how much control he may or may not have is also potentially concerning. But yeah, I mean this team is also going to be in some cap space trouble moving forward, um, so it's going to be hard to see. I mean, I and this is you know also I don't want to rub in the Zach Ertz thing about uh, not wanting to pay him, but uh, I don't think anyone's actually clamoring to give him like a three year extension uh, and pay him Travis Kelsey, George Kittle money when mm-hmm. he's. He's been terrible this year, and I don't know that that it's all his fault. And I think there's probably a mental component that he did feel um, hard done by some of the negotiations. But he's certainly not making a great case for himself to get a a big extension, especially with Dallas Goddard waiting to steal his lunch. Yeah. Uh, And when it comes to selling, too, Howie Roseman hasn't really made moves to – you know, trade guys at the deadline either in his career uh, as the GM. I mean, the most recent trade uh, that he's made of dealing a player off was last year, October 1st, 2019, when they traded Jonathan Cyprian and a 2020 seventh round draft pick to the Falcons for Duke Riley, who is still on this team, and a 2026 round pick. Uh, but overall, I mean, there's only been like four moves that Howie Roseman's made to sell quote-unquote, and they haven't been big moves. So don't expect, you know, the Eagles to go and trade Zach Ertz, which they can't even do because he's injured right now. So all of the Zach Ertz, trade Zach Ertz things just drive me nuts because, one, he's injured. Two, why are you going to take, even though he struggled, why are you going to take a component of this offense away from Carson Wentz and make it that much worse for him out there? It yeah. just makes no sense. And, and I... Also, his value has probably never been lower Yeah, <laughs> uh, in terms of his contract length, in terms of his performance so far this season. Yeah, obviously him being injured as well adds <laughs> even more to that, but yeah, that's that's not a, a, a realistic trade. 
Yeah. So miss me with all of that. Uh, Eagles Thursday night football, the promo card for Thursday night football from the NFL network. Just like we all thought, Matt, back in uh, August and September, Travis Fulgham, the cover athlete for the Thursday night promo. Well, it says quite a bit about where the New York Giants and the Philadelphia Eagles are this year. <laughs> uh, let's kick it over to everybody's favorite basketball team, Philadelphia 76ers. Mine. <laughs> made some uh, some front office moves the past couple of weeks. Uh, most recently, they hired Jameer Nelson as a scout, and he will be the, I believe they said, assistant GM uh, with the Blue Coats. So. He's coming home. Jameer Nelson's coming home. Um, what an inspiring move. <laughs> the one that we've all been waiting for. <laughs> and uh, they also hired Dinwiddie, but not Spencer Dinwiddie, which would have been the right move. Um, what are your thoughts on the, the front office, quote-unquote, changes? It's still a very nebulous idea to me. Um, I st- I don't think anyone can tell me exactly who's in charge to, and who and who's really uh, doing what here. Um, I just think, uh, for me, there's still no sense of clarity with this front office whatsoever, and it, it feels like it's just more of the same. It's it's hard for me to get excited about this any part of the Sixers team because it just feels like uh, I feel very apathetic towards them and just. There's, there's there's been no real change when we were promised that the same people are still in charge Elton Brand should not have have this job he's he's just clearly out of his depth he makes bad decisions even going back like I, I don't know if we talked about this with Doc Rivers getting he's getting like eight or nine million a year that's obscene yeah. like what the like how are we this bad at negotiating with people? I don't understand. <laughs> like, I feel like they lost a bet on the NBA Finals Game One when they were watching it together, and that's how Doc got all that money. That, it must that may have been it. I don't know. They're um, sitting in the new sports book that's going to be in the Wells Fargo Center. I just i i don't I don't feel good about anything the Sixers have done, and I won't feel good about anything they do because it's it's all still coming from the same just rotten decision-making group here and that's what it is it's a group it's not it's not even just Elton Brand it's I think too many people have uh have a say in what happens with this front office which to me is like incredibly concerning and has led to some pretty disastrous results I just it's so it's so hard to to, to even care about what the Sixers team does just because they're so frustrating it, it's it's depressing Plus, I mean, with the amount of just constant leaks to Keith Pompey, I'm just I'm yeah, intrigued like I, I, to I know hate, who is doing this. I, I hate the theater of that, you know, where it's like, and again, in every article, he's he's blaming analytics. Like, I don't care, like, what who what analytics are you listening to that's telling you that signing Al Horford was a good idea? Because, like, it was never really going to work. I think we all, like, made ourselves buy it, but, like, in the back of our minds, we're like, what the hell did we just do? That was literally our reaction. The first show we did back when we signed Al Horford was, what the hell just happened? It's just, it's my, yeah, and I I, I hate the leaks because it's just, it's disgusting, and that's, like, just not, that's not what I want from this team. Like, I don't want, like, dirty laundry being it's aired that drama, way. like. 
and it's just it's it's just rats trying to get on top of one another so that when the ship goes down they can get off first like it's just they're lining up their stories to to kind of put people you know down or promote some people like it's just it all feels so wrong to me and it's just it's a very it feels very toxic honestly mm-hmm. and I, I i don't like the way that this this front office is trending i don't like the way that this team is trending um it's it like it feels like the next like three years we could have like some real like disaster seasons and some big blowouts and i again i wouldn't be shocked if one of joel or, or ben even requests a trade in the next two or three years because like I, I don't I don't think this team is moving in a positive direction in any way in any way. And let's not forget, uh, with all of this that has gone on with this team over the past couple of seasons, uh, it was also leaked that uh, Scott O'Neill's going to have more input for this team, which why is beyond me. Yeah, it's just that's what I'm saying. You know, like it's just why like why do so many people have an influence and a say in this? Like that's not how good teams work. Like, look at the Clippers organization that Doc just came from. They hired a very smart guy in Jerry West who's built plenty of dynasties in the NBA. He's a very smart guy. He's a talented player in of itself. The logo of the league. <laughs> he get he makes those decisions. He makes the choices. Like, he is the guy. Why, like... <laughs> look at the Celtics who continue to kick our ass. It's it's the same thing with Danny the Phillies. Age. Like, just... just these people can't be that hard to find. I refuse no. to believe it. I refuse to believe that there's not smart people at that level that you that you can't find or that you don't know about. And I think it, again, it's just too much of this like backroom stuff of loyalty and favor doing, especially like if you go to like the Colangelo day, like it just sickens me, man. Like just like stop with like the like giving each other hand jobs and like getting each other like new jobs at new places, like and just make a team that plays good basketball and wins like i it's not that like hard they're, they're losing i think they're really in danger of losing so many fans because mm-hmm. of that because there's there's a real sense of apathy about this team and like it's just going nowhere fast it's it's very very frustrating um and i, I think i think lots of people are going to sour on this team in the next year or so if they haven't already because i think again a lot of people's minds have changed about this team just not not fun to watch they're not exciting anymore there's no narrative about this team that's like fun for even like the casual person to pick up on like oh they're good now like joel's fun like it's like yeah i you know everything is just poisonous about this team right now uh i don't know if we touched on the hiring uh or not but we did i know we talked about it being potential but uh david yorger has joined doc river staff as the defensive specialist coach, um, I think it's a good hire. I mean, he's a guy that, you know, has extensive coaching experience in the league. Who knows what that does for the potential Buddy Heald. Uh, Sixers fan-made rumors about trading for Buddy Heald. Um, but I, I think it's a, a nice hire for, for Doc's coaching staff. Yeah, I, I'm definitely intrigued to see how the season goes from, like, the players we have right now and who we may add in the draft and seeing what doc can do. But, um, it, again, it just worries me because this front office has just mishandled so many things that, um, I'm worried about like what we do or, or don't do in the draft. I'm worried about what we might trade or give up or who we might sign in free agency. It's just, it's, uh, 
it's like just it's like going to like a circus you know where you have like the jugglers and they juggle like the chainsaws but you saw the juggler like pounding a fifth of vodka before he came out like it's like I don't know if he does that before every show or if is this part of the bit is this part of the bit like am I about to get murdered by a chainsaw here or is this just it's just gonna go completely fine and I'm worried about that like it's just any day this chainsaw could fall on us and uh, it's game over but I guess we have to wait. I don't know. <laughs> uh, other news regarding the players uh, on this team. Matisse Seibel did a voiceover for ESPN regarding the bubble, which I thought was pretty neat. That was in one of his vlogs. And then uh, Tobias Harris uh, sitting down with potential vice president Kamala Harris. What a guy. Tobias Harris has really shot up in my uh, good guy leaderboard. Um he might be overpaid, but you know what? <laughs> if we're going to overpay someone, at least they're a good people. A good person. You know what? I, I can live with that. <laughs> I, I can totally live with giving Tobias $180 million if like half of that is going to end its in, up in a charity somewhere. So I'm cool with it. Yeah, he seems like um, Tobias is like on like a personal level really risen in my books over mm-hmm. the last uh, six, seven months. Um, and Matisse as well, I think, is very he's like mini. He's like mini Tobias. Yeah, he's like a, he's just a charismatic guy, and again, like that's what bothers me so much about like the trade stuff and people like foaming at the mouth to trade him. I don't really get it. He seems like a guy that I would, like anyone would love to have on a team with them. He seems genuinely like a caring person. I I just don't get it. I don't, <laughs> I don't get so much about the Sixers. Man, it's all gone so wrong, and I I it's like we ended up in an altered dimension. Like I I don't know where 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 we made the mistakes. Yeah, it makes no sense whatsoever, but uh, the topic we touched on, that it wasn't confirmed yet, but it is now confirmed for the Philadelphia Union, Brendan Aronson officially going to the big times. He's going to Red Bull Salzburg, who just drew today in the Champions League, which is pretty cool. Uh, They're coached by Jesse Marsh, who's the best American coach we have right now, involved in like the Red Bull tier system that they have with Red Bull New York to Salzburg and then to Leipzig. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a good situation that he's going to find himself in. And I don't know the, I think the exact number is 6 million with potentially rising between one and two, depending on some incentives um, and a potential like sell on clause. That's really good. That's the highest for a homegrown player coming out of the MLS. Um, and that's just an enormous dividend to pay for this like youth system that's you know obviously produce something like Brendan Aronson but you also have guys like McKenzie you have Aronson's brother as well um still involved in the youth system so yeah like this is going to be money that can be reinvested to to really continue to to have guys like this and produce um and the good news as well for the union is that he's going to stay here until January you know and move then so you're going to have him for the rest of the season hopefully for like a cup run which would be amazing and it would be a great send-off for him. But, yeah, it's officially official. Um, it's a great move for him, too. I think going to a place like that, he's going to have the chance to grow and, and really develop, um, again, with an American coach as well. I think that's that's really helpful, and it's good for the U.S. Uh, national team, too, because you have the more guys you can have playing in Europe in the best competitions, the better. That's that's what you need. Um, but this, this is really good for the Union, and this team has looked so good. They clinch a playoff spot. I mean, they were going to anyway, but mathematically, done and dusted. There we go. Um, they've been playing very, very well, and I'm I'm really looking forward to uh, to the playoffs now because 
I think this team has, has a real chance. I mean, you saw what they did at the MLS's back tournament. Um, they were right there in, in the final four of that. So this is a team that you can expect to, to kind of have that same, same kind of drive and that same potential run. Um, but it's going to depend a little bit, I think, on seeding. Probably going to end up with this two seed, but you know, we'll see maybe if, if some, some miracles can happen. And I mean, you, I don't know if you picked up on this too with the, uh, the video that the union put out. I don't know if it was just, you know, raw emotion of him saying it, but the way, uh, Brandon Aronson addressed, you know, just a lot of things in the video, he said, you know, hopefully I'll be back soon. So, I mean, there's potentially, you know, when he's finished in, you know, playing in Europe that maybe he comes back for, uh, you know, the swan song tour and place for the union. Listen, again. if he comes back in 15 years, it'd be great. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I hope he has a very long career in Europe. I hope in a way, I hope he isn't back soon. Cause I, I think, um, again, Salzburg is like such a, a good spot because the, the players that they've developed and move on out of there, like Erling Holland, like one of the best young strikers in the world right now, uh, started, well, he didn't start at Salzburg, but definitely became like a known product at Salzburg. And, um, those are the types of, of players and, and like success stories that you want and they have a good record of doing it and their style plays really well in his hands they, they play similar to us actually with this like counterattacking, uh, quick build up he's going to fit in well there um, and he's young enough that he's going to have time to mold um, and you need to have a huge game this weekend too they play Toronto uh, top seed in the east I mean if you win this game you put yourself in in that discussion now to, to finish as number, number one seed um, that could be absolutely massive, but you, know, you got to get the job done. But the way they're playing right now, it's totally doable. But, I mean, this is going to be one of the toughest games you've faced so far. Can we talk about that Andre Blake safe where he just leaped with, like, moon boots on to yeah. – uh, what a guy. It won't happen, but, like, he's, like – He's really wormed his way into like a, an MVP conversation. Um, again, going back to them, Lesser's back tournament, he was outstanding there, and that's carried over into the rest of the season. He had kind of a down year last year, but this year he's been he's been unbelievable. Yeah, I, I saves like that are becoming regular for him, and um, he's definitely a big part of, of the unit's success so far this year, for sure. He's been unbelievable. They're super exciting, like we've said. If you're not watching the Union right now, what are you doing? Uh... It's got goals. Like they have, they have everything. Everything you could ask for. Lots, lots of stuff to, to root for, and um, very, very exciting stuff. And they're just super likable. Yeah. Um. So make sure you guys are watching the Union, uh, because they're doing big things. I don't know if you saw this, but pop culture news, Matt. Uh, the Animaniacs are back. Thanks. <laughs> that was like a show I never really got into all that much, but they are. Uh, they're back November twentieth on Hulu. Everybody's getting a reboot now. <laughs> everybody and and they they played to that in the uh the trailer video they put out today is you know 2020 is based off of uh or today you know shows are based off of lack of creativity and then they pan out and they all have uh you know green hulu clothes on like they do for every hulu commercial so pretty uh funny and interesting stuff when it comes to the animaniacs being back um but overall eagles they're bad just accept it. I think a lot of people have started to accept it. The Phillies, I, for me to be so out on the Phillies right now says a lot. If you guys watch this show, um, listen to it, you know my my devotion to this Phillies team. I, I just have no hope for them right now. Uh, the Sixers are just a mess. And uh, like we said, the Union are fun. 
So if you're watching on Twitch, you see Brendan Harrington's thumbs up. That's the mood about the union right now. So you should be watching them. Um, you know, it's really frustrating. He's uh, the video of Jason Worth stealing home against the Dodgers just popped up on my uh, <laughs> what a time on my Twitter feed. You see, uh, uh, Mookie Betts tied uh, or joined Chase Utley in uh, World Series lore in Game One with two the, of the uh, best Dodgers in uh, <laughs> to ever play. <laughs> yeah, it's me. Two guys have really built their legacy, you know, with the the Los Angeles Dodgers. Two of the best to ever do it. Uh. World Series well underway, though. Dodgers took game one. Yeah, good for them. We'll see who ends up winning it all. Uh, at least it's not the Braves or the Astros. That It really felt like we were going to get two straight years of an NLS team, uh, NLE's team winning. And I was like, oh, God, next year it's going to be the Marlins, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't shock me. Oh, is uh, it like, they're like cicadas, right? It's like every 20 years. They win. Yep. <laughs> Just wait till six, though, is the, uh, the World Series MVP. Oh, God. Man. The stuff we do for our teams. Uh, also, big shout-out to Cole Irvin. He was streaming last night here on Twitch and uh, was repping the brand. So, underground athletes doing the damn thing. Shout-out Cole Irvin. Uh, but make sure you guys are following us on social media, at UndergroundPHI on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, make sure you're following Matt on Twitter, at Matt Castorina. You can follow me on Twitter, at KBIZZL311. And make sure you guys are subscribed to the podcast. We put it out on Twitter End of the year goal, Underground Sports Philadelphia on Twitter to 3,000 Twitter followers and the Apple Podcast feed to 300 five-star ratings and reviews. Let's see if we can make that happen. Maybe we'll do a big giveaway if we hit it. You know, who knows? But we got to hit it first, so make sure you leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts because uh, we have standards. We know you do too, and we know they're five stars. So let us know how you're feeling about the Eagles, the Phillies, Sixers, flyers the union anything in between and uh, you can also check us out on spotify google Podcasts, stitcher soundcloud the tune in app iHeartRadio, radio.com wherever you get your podcast we are there and uh wouldn't be able to do these shows without our awesome sponsors main auto llc two charms pro foot security 21 security systems Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, Bob Novick Automall, Mark Ronchetti, CPA, LLC, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland, and of course, our friends at Tomahawk Shades, TomahawkShades.com, and when you go to check out, enter the code USP, going to save you 25% off your entire order, TomahawkShades.com, code USP at checkout, and then of course, our friends over at Manscaped doing the damn thing as the best men's below-the-waist grooming company in the game manscape.com when you go to check out use our code usp same exact code so you could go shopping at the same time manscape tomahawk shades believe it or not guys the holidays are right around the corner you gotta load up get gifts that people are going to use day in and day out manscape.com use the code usp you're gonna get 20 percent off and free shipping any final thoughts matt uh wear a mask wash your hands and get out and vote Absolutely. Send your ballot in if you got a mail. If you can vote early, do that. Whatever you got to do. It's, the, it's, it's every four years they say, really, you should vote every year. But every four years they say it's the most important election of your lifetime. This most certainly is. Listen, if you're still an undecided voter, by the way, too, if you're one of these schmucks on the scene, it's like, well, I'm not sure who I really, like, figure it out. Because you've had a long <laughs> time to think about it. Go ahead. Send in that vote. <laughs> 
uh, do your part and uh, go vote. Shout out to Matisse Leibel also with that uh, video that Maggie from the Sixers put together for him going to vote as well. Um, but you guys are the absolute best podcast listeners and viewers in the universe, and we will catch you guys later this week breaking down this Eagles uh, win or loss or tie. Who knows what happens? Uh, I made an appearance on John Boy Media's Talking Giants podcast today. That'll be out in the morning with a friend of the show, Bobby Skinner. He also came on Eagles Enemies that will drop in the morning. So you get a double dose of myself and Bobby breaking down this game uh, for Thursday Night Football. And uh, the Dan Russo Show should be back as well. Vineland Football still looking for their first win of the season. They play St. Joe's Hamilton Friday night for the first game at Gatone Stadium on the season. And uh, should be a lot of fun. So lots of content coming out. Make sure you're following all of our podcasts and all of our content on social media as well. Put that tweet out the other day. So load up. Fourth and goal outside the box. Streamer season's coming back in a couple of days as the Mandalorian makes its way back. And uh, lots and lots of content coming out of Underground Studio. So make sure you guys are uh, following us on all platforms for all of our shows. And uh, we'll catch you guys later in the week. This has been Underground Sports Philadelphia, episode number 276. For Matt, I'm KB. We are signing off. Peace. Oh,